We take you on a little trolley ride down Story Lane. You're having a good time, enjoying our little tale, think you know what's coming. Boom! Left turn! You don't know how it happened. You don't know where you are, but you like it. You're yucking it up, you're laughing, your sides are hurting, and all of a sudden you realize you're feeling something, too. When did that happen? When did they become people I care about? When did they become like welcome guests in your home whose weekly visits the whole family eagerly awaits? Come out, wherever you are. <laughs> this is awesome. We're coming. Not a worry in the world. That's all I got. That's all I can really work with. We're coming. And now, ladies and gentlemen, listen in the distance for the good parade. and Jeremy Vaney. No commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules. No comparison, my friends. BOA Live is back after a brief little hiatus there last week, and we're back with a historic episode here because it is the long-awaited reunion. Yes, my friends, one night only. It's a reunion that dozens demanded, and I'm talking about the good parade. Uh, I should probably catch some people up for folks who are longtime listeners of BOA Audio who never picked up on the good parade. That was a little program that was loved by about 35 to 40 people uh, over the course of three years and, and built up quite the cult following, but it's hard to maintain a cult when you only have 35 members. So uh, it went the way of the dodo after the last presidential election, but out of the woodwork, out of the forests, the Muppets kept demanding for more good parades, so we decided one night only here, historic occasion, Jeremy Vaney's 40th birthday, and... It's just a it's a magical night, my friends. So we're we're getting it all together again. One night only, good parade reunion, and as always, of course, with me is Jeremy Vaney. What's going on, buddy? I'm feeling hot tonight. So, Tim, when you said before the show started you were worried about us just talking about wrestling all night, you meant <laughs> you had a whole lot of wrestling intros. Those were well <laughs> done, my friend. i got to ask you, though. This is like we're going to break the fourth wall here. Was it breaking up for you while you were listening to it just now, or was it just me? Am I on my, my awful uh, Radio Shack phone? Uh, well, I actually I still had the radio on the website going, so it was going double for a little while until I figured out that I had a speaker on. So I can't. I don't know. All right, weird. You know what I mean? Anyway, like I had it coming from we're live, places. folks. Yeah. We're back. The good parade. Uh, I kind of envisioned this more though as more of a BOA discussion, and then sort of uh, slipping in some good parade moments because uh, we haven't talked in a long time. We haven't had you on, you know, any of the BOA vehicles in quite some time. And, and well, let's start out with happy birthday. Of course. The big four. Oh, thank you. 
You know who hasn't called to wish me a happy birthday is uh, any of my relatives, Tim. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, but I see people are calling me as I as I speak. Should I pick up the phone if people call me and to wish me a happy birthday during the show? Put them on speaker. Only if you can patch Mrs. Vaney on. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. I gotta get oh her a call God. first. I gotta remember. I gotta get her to remember that one. I was born, and two, she loves me. And then we'll see how it goes from there. <laughs> well, how does it feel to be forty, though? Uh, you know, it's been creeping up on you for a while. Do you have any sense of sort of mortality, or are you just like, eh, it's just a number, Mahalo, baby? Uh, I'm already getting set to uh, to just be grumpy, like. Uh, I had a friend over, and she was talking to a cat outside, and I'm like, don't let that cat in. And she's like, I wouldn't let the cat in. I'm like, well, just don't. So I'm already, like, all set to just be a grumpy old man at this point because uh, it's the only thing I can do um, to block out the fact that, that I am in fact there, depressed. Wait. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, my phone was breaking up. Let me try. Uh, uh, you know what we're going to do? Let's switch to what a portable. We're going to switch to a portable. Should we play some more John Cena music? Well, uh <laughs> All right. Hopefully it doesn't break up on me again. It's this awful landline, dude. i got to get into the, uh, I don't know, 19th century here. <laughs> so you've turned 40. You're ready to become grumpy. What do you think that all means? Um, I don't know. It means it's awful. It's like you're 40, and you're like, oh, God, God, I'm 40. But it's funny because looking up, actually, um, in knowing people who are in their 40s and early 50s, they all seem youthful anyway, so I really don't think there's anything to worry about until maybe 55 or 60 at this point. I think no, you're, not one of those, you're not like one of those people who's like, 40 is the new 30, you know. We can't keep <laughs> yes, doing yes, that. Yes, I am. Yes, Jim, I am. You will be too. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I'm sure I will. I'm already saying 35 is the new 25, so I'm, I'm, I'm way ahead of you. At least that way, it'll confu- that confuses people. Then they really have to do the math. They're like, wait, what? There's a lot of size in there. Well, happy birthday. I think it's pretty cool. You know what drives me crazy, though, is when you're, it's like your birthday, and, you know, you're just like, shit, I'm 40, or, you know, I'm going to be 35, and it's like, oh, God. Other people have accomplished so much in their lives by that age that you're like, there's no way I can accomplish nearly enough now. I'm way running out of time here. Right. So what you got to do, and, and what you are sort of doing, now is you you plant the seeds this way. You say, well, I'm really accomplishing a lot uh, that I'm not getting any credit for, so it's only a matter of time before people recognize all the great things that I've done. And you can just you can ride that wave. You can ride that wave until you're dead. <laughs> yeah, I think that's. I mean, I, I would never come up with those words, but if someone asked me to get into to crawl inside your mind, I think that I think that's what the message would be in there. Yeah, don't crawl. Don't <laughs> speaking crawl of, <laughs> speaking of, you know, unofficial, uh, you know, un- unrecognized, unappreciated work. Hopefully, that's not going to happen any longer because uh, not only is it your birthday, but you're launching a new book. You're getting so much. You're just doing so much today. It's exciting. So, what? What? Tell me about yes. this book. Into the end, right? Into the end. It is about me avoiding the fact that I turned forty today by launching a book. No. Uh, it's uh, it's actually it's a work of fiction. It's the first novel um, I've ever written, and it's actually the first long-form thing I ever wrote. I first wrote it back in high school. It was a completely different book back then. 
but it's just interesting to note because I think a lot of the same sort of um, high school me uh, attitudes toward everything, toward life, toward people, um, are preserved. So you're actually getting uh, a young person's perspective, even though I rewrote it as an adult. Um, and it is a horror, dark fantasy, sci-fi without any vampire abs, if you can get your mind around that one. Uh, and hopefully uh, people will love it. Yes. A horror fantasy sci-fi? Uh, yeah, it's got a lot of different elements in it. Uh, it's funny, because I, mean, I, I consider it a horror, but my, my sister says it's a sci-fi book. So you, you take, I think it's a horror dark fantasy with sci-fi elements, but there's, there's a lot going on there. I like how you have to qualify the fantasy as dark. What do you mean dark fantasy? What's dark fantasy? Um, well, okay, so there's there's this boy going through life, right? And then there's this sort of, um, every few chapters you get a chapter from another book. Someone is writing a book about, seemingly at least, about this character, um, but it's as if it's from another life from some sort of mythical time where things like our friend the Pukwudgie uh, and uh, Bigfoot and elves and things like this all, all sort of coexist. Uh, so you don't quite know what's going on for with that for a good portion of the book. Um, but it's as if someone is writing a book about this character, and then we find out who, and we find out why and how it all ties in. Interesting. Interesting. So did you, like, have to inform it with your paranormal background? You know, obviously you mentioned these puck wedgies and things, so you kind of added another layer to it, you're saying? Yeah, I mean, certainly there's a lot of just, um, you know, homage to the Paratopia show and that sort of thing. But, I mean, when I originally wrote it in high school, it was because something or someone walked into my bedroom and, you know, battled at me, <laughs> which wasn't my mother, who was the only person at home uh, at the time. Uh, and so for a good portion of my life, you know, I, I linked that with other things, UFO sightings and other stuff, and thought, okay, maybe I'm an alien abductee. Um but that, whatever the case is with all of that, that is the reason I originally wrote the book. That was sort of like the, the impetus to write this sort of scary story, uh, which is basically about my hometown, Taunton, uh, Hockamock Swamp, which is part of the Bridgewater Triangle, as you know, um, mm -hmm. runs, through the, runs through the town. So it's all that sort of stuff. Um, but as I've gotten older and I've, my views have changed on ufology in general and my own experiences um, in specific, uh, I think... Well, certainly the book has evolved with that, and I think it's, yeah, it's it's rich in those sorts of details, but you don't have to know about or care about paranormal stuff uh, to like the book, because it is a work of, you know, fiction. Yeah, yeah. Well, what made you decide to go down the fiction route in general? I mean, you know, this is sort of a departure for you, right? Well, like I said, it was the first thing I wrote, so... Uh, I no, guess actually, a return to I, your you know, roots. Yeah, I mean, it's not really a departure. Like, I, I guess I consider all the nonfiction stuff that I've done for the past, like, six or seven years to be a departure because I considered myself, I guess, primarily a comedy writer and a writer of dialogue and, you know, screenplays and that sort of thing, um, if anything. Uh, so all this UFO stuff was a departure from that, really, in my head, which may sound weird to people who only know me from that stuff. But I, I guess if you want sort of the uh, why did I re-pick up that thing, um, basically I, I can say this out loud now because I have permission, but I was uh, 
flipped some cash from Bill Burns of UFO Magazine to ghostwrite a project for your friend and mine, George Norrie, uh, which ultimately didn't get picked up. So he just said, okay, just change the character names and, and whatever, and uh, you can have the rights back to your book. And, of course, when I'm paid to do something cash, like that, yeah, I got the money and, oh, and nice. I got the rights back to my book. And I also got to be lazy because basically he said we need a tra- time travel story. Which my original manuscript was not, but I changed it into one. I just got lazy. I was like, well, why don't I just go back and pick up this old high school manuscript? So I made it about time travel, but then when I got the rights back, I had this idea, (laughs) this amazing, what I think is an amazing idea, um, that I was going to write a screenplay around. But then I thought, well, why don't I make this a part of this book and make this book no longer about time travel? Um, So once I decided to do that, it was like, okay, let's throw in everything in the kitchen sink. What else can we put in this book? So to me, it's kind of like lost in a way, except with a satisfying ending. Nice. Yeah. Is there time travel or not? Now I'm confused. You took it out, but then you threw everything else in. There is an. There isn't really time travel. There's an element of um, uh, creating. Well, I don't want to give too much away, but there's an yeah. element in there. Uh, but but no, not it's not a time travel book. Interesting. All right. Are there pictures in it? <laughs> no, it is not a thinking do. There are no pictures of it. <laughs> so nary a pop-up either, I presume. No, Great. no. No tracing with your finger. I'm sorry. Uh, right now, Grockle is furiously canceling his order uh, on Amazon. <laughs> how dare you. How, how dare you. Uh, so, all right, so how can folks get the book? Because you say it launched today. He, I, I've been impressed uh, by your uh, ambition on this one because you've you've got it out in all kinds of you know formats. I think there's even an option where you call someone and read it to them if they just buy it, right? <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yes, for a mere dollar. Funny enough, it's the cheapest option. Um, no, you do get it on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com for your Kindle or your Nook, or you can get it in uh, paperback um, right now from Amazon, but. There should be distribution coming through Ingram, uh, so you should be able to get it at your local bookstore if you want or get it at barnesandnoble.com if you want. Um, so that will probably happen like in the next 24 hours. Nice, nice. But, yeah, for right now, Amazon is your best bet. All right, and it's called Into the End? Into the End. You will love it, I promise. Or barring that, hate I'm- it. <laughs> I'll give you credit for having a short, catchy title that isn't overdone anywhere. I, I can I can't you know it's not like uh you know, it's not like you wanted to name the book like The Ring and it turned out some some slasher horror <laughs> movie already did it, you know. I don't think I can recall anything with Into the End in it. So kudos. I know, and I named it when I was in high school. This was always the name of the book. So What's that? Perfect. This was always the name of the book since I wrote it in high school. Nice. Wow, that's weird. Yeah. I didn't, I, yeah. I was going to make some kind of Vanny in high school joke, but I didn't have enough time. We really have to script, <laughs> we really have to start scripting these programs better. Yeah, uh, we do have an hour and a half, so you, you actually do have time. <laughs> <laughs> an hour and 45 minutes, if the English lady uh, is, is correct, who keeps it in my ear. I, people can't hear her, but she's she's a constant presence on the program. Um, now, you, you teased the appearance on the program here. You had some experiences and stuff like that. I guess I have I have some thoughts 
that I've been teasing you about uh, all summer that I want to ask you about. But I guess let's kind of, you know, I don't think you and I in the, in the public domain haven't talked about uh, the, the world of the paranormal in quite some time. So, you know, what, what's your take on the current state of affairs, I guess you'd say, across the board? But I know you have a particular interest in uh, the wacky world of UFOs. Uh, steady as she goes. I mean, I don't, um, I don't see any change, do you? I mean, it's funny, because, you know, as far as, like, UFOs go, because I don't really know about the other fields so much, but in UFO land, there seems to be the slow, gradual changing of the guard, you know, from, from the old ufologists to the new. Um, and people are sort of congratulating each other on this, it seems, a little prematurely, because the new don't seem to have anything to offer that the old haven't already said. So it's just a continuation of the same old crap. Um, I don't know if that proves true in the world of ghosts or Bigfoot research or any of that stuff, but that's how I see ufology anyway. Is there anyone that stands out to you? Is there anyone that you look at and you go, yeah, that person's onto something? Uh... No, I can't say really, uh, you know. I've become more interested in sort of like the folkloric end of things and sort of the oddities and the periphery stuff. I've said for a while that UFOs are, they're stagnant, you know. And you're right about the field. It's it's molting, you know, which is sad in a way because, like, I like a lot of the old guard. I probably like a lot of the old guard better than the next generation, if I <laughs> if I dare say. You know, there yeah, was a least, certain see, sort the of old like guard, the old guard like did research. The old guard, um, you know, Stanton Friedman, first of all, was a nuclear physicist, so he's got that. But you've got people that went out into the field and actually did research and wrote up, you know, fairly decent technical papers way back when, you know. Um, but they don't do that anymore. Now it's all just sort of blogging and writing books that are, you know, extended quotes of what other people have said and and then I guess by association uh, stealing their thunder. That, that's sort of just what I see. Or, you know, just some sort of, well, I, let, let's call a name, Chris Augustin. <laughs> I don't know how relevant he is to people. But I just think it's funny that, you know, he has two claims to fame. One is going to Area 51 and dipping his toe over the line and having, like, a helicopter chase him off. Uh, so... <laughs> Like, there are warning signs saying that will happen. Why is that anything? And then the other one is, like, he went around a corner of a stoplight and his CD skipped, therefore there was missing time, uh, and he's an alien abductee. I mean, to me, these are not, you know, not to pick on the guy because I don't know him, but uh, I look at that and I go, really? You're promoting yourself on those two things? That's what you want to do, like, the, the circuit with? And I just, you know, you compare that to something like... I don't know. Again, Stanton Friedman, who actually did go to the archives and did do research and did have to debate really smart people on the other side about things like MJ-12. No matter how you feel about MJ-12, the guy had to do his research on it and his due diligence to fight the likes of Phil Klass uh, for years and years and years. And so I just don't see where... I don't see his peer. I don't see his equal, and I don't see even... Uh, the want of any of these new faces to do that type of research or be that diligent um, and go the, the sort of distance that someone like him has. 
Yeah, I was thinking as you said that that uh, part of the problem is like the old the old school ufo- ufology was all sort of in one. I don't know. There seemed to be more of a uniformity to it. Now there's this disparate amount of voices all over the place who are you know there's no. It's been like spread to the wind, if you will. You know, it's it's been spread out. It, and instead of like it just being this small little group of people who all kind of knew each other and you know had this weird connection with each other where they like exchange actual physical letters and stuff, you know, it's just not the same in that regard. There's not that. I don't want to say camaraderie because there was certainly plenty of like competition and whatnot, but there wasn't this sort of like uh, D DIY attitude that you don't you see it anymore, you know. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, but then part of all of this might also be, uh, you know, at some point the disclosure movement sort of usurped the spotlight from ufology. Um, and uh, I think they write letters to each other. <laughs> Plus they're crazy letters. <laughs> Who's like no I, one's sharing I, research. I think what you're talking about is like sharing research maybe, right? Or... Sharing I don't research, know, some sort yeah. of sense of community. Yeah, exactly. Like a sense of community, sort of like, you know, a real sense of sort of like the underground, you know. Like I said, it's kind of a camaraderie. Yeah, community is, is perfectly fine, yeah. Yeah, but this is, no, but um, it's sort of giving me, I this, guess, to just Now, i got to apologize, because uh, I think your Skype is awful, because uh, I'm, I'm on the portable now, and it's still cutting out on me. So I think the, huh. uh, the, the Skype line is... It's giving me fits. I don't know. It says uh, here in the room that my that I sound good and you sound far away. All right, right. Well, I'm going to switch. I'm going to switch back to the to the landline and see. But I'm having. Uh, you're still cutting out on me, which shouldn't really be happening on two different phones. So hold on. I may ask you to call back on your cell if that's feasible. Is it feasible or no? feasible, but that will definitely cut out on you. <laughs> In a bad That's way. true. Well, we'll persevere. We'll keep going. Uh, I may they you say know, have clear. to ask... What's that? I don't they, trust they're saying they're hearing clear. Yeah. I don't trust those people mm. in the chat room. They're, they're ruffians. Um, <laughs> but I may ask you uh, I may ask you to repeat something. So that's that's why I started okay. this side tangent with an apology. Um what what was it you said usurped UFOs? What did I say usurped no. UFOs? Yeah, oh, uh, the disclosure movement. Oh, absolutely. And in a way, you know, I was kind of cautioning myself. Uh, you know, I, I almost added the the uh, the sub clause there when I went on that rant about uh, the camaraderie of old school ufology that. Uh, it has been kind of usurped by that in a way. There is some kind of camaraderie there, but I feel like that's a fool's errand. So, but who knows? Maybe the original goals of ufology were a fool's errand to figure it all out. Well, in a way, they were, but but almost in a scientific way. See, here's the problem. I think that they when they started out with this sort of nuts and bolts, UFOs are aliens and spaceships and all this stuff, uh, that's not a bad place to start. But once the evidence starts pouring in that that, that doesn't doesn't hold, uh, you have to give that up. And I think the, the, the one thing that is wrong with the old guard is that they don't want to give that up. Um, and at least some of the new people do, and that's good. 
but again, they're not putting anything new out there. They're just sort of saying, we got to give this up. Um, right. And here's exactly. a cut and They're not labor. offering any solutions. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not offering, offering any solutions. solutions. Or, or any original avenues, I guess, you know. Like, where's the originality? Where's – I don't know. Am I just, see, now I am an old man griping. It's just because I'm 40, folks. It is just because he's 40. You really didn't gripe this much back when I first met you. No, <laughs> that's not true at all. Uh, okay, well here is the here is the long-awaited uh, here is the long-awaited line of thought that actually came up uh, through a friend of mine, and then in turn I shared it with our mutual friend Nurakabe, and he he thought it was pretty insightful. So, uh, and I know you, you're going to be like, I posted a blog about this, you know, back in 2005. So hopefully you'll have a lot to say. But I think that – what's that? I said I can't wait. But, <laughs> I, I, I think I'm, I'm starting to kind of come to the conclusion that UFOs are, uh, for lack of a better term, a white people problem. That uh, – especially like a rich white people, you know, like I, that's not a black-white thing. I'm a, more of a socioeconomic problem almost, you know. Okay. What do you think of that? Rudy, you extrapolate? <laughs> all of it? Yeah, because uh, I know <laughs> I plenty think of that poor it's people. Like people with real, like the like people with real problems, don't care about UFOs. So the only people who really can care about UFOs are people that aren't sort of like the put upon underclass, necessarily. Um. Well, people. It's a fringe topic, so yeah, there are people who, who have better things to do, I guess you could say. Um, but I, I actually, I, maybe you're just throwing me off because I don't think it falls along socioeconomic lines, believe it or not. Uh, interest, I mean. Interest in the topic. You can disagree. I mean, that's fine with me. I'm just sort of putting it out there. Well, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of, so are you Are you saying then what, that that there's nothing to it or just calling attention to the fact that only a certain type of person is ever going to pay attention to it. Oh, Vaney. You've cut out on me here. Let's see if I can get you back on. Come on. <laughs> Everyone else hears me fine. I know. I don't uh, understand it. Just blog talk, then. I'm saying... Otherwise, it um, would be both phones. Are, are Here's you what I'm trying that, to say. Yeah, Here's ahead. what I'm trying to say, okay? Is that... People people have real problems, so they're not interested in UFOs. And so the only people that can take the time to look at UFOs and are two camps. <laughs> the people who are in the relatively like sort of privileged class where they don't have to worry about the problems of the world. You know? Or I guess not that they don't have to worry about it, but that they see that that they don't affect them necessarily as much. You know what I mean? And, and the other yes. group of course is the unemployed and unemployable. They have nothing to do, so they in turn, you know, right. gravitate towards UFOs as well. So it's, you know, it's it's yeah, that middle. Well, the middle section is the people who don't have any interest in all this because they're they have to worry about paying rent and shit and the injustices of the world. I guess you'd say, you know, they're like, who gives a fuck about? Who cares about the aliens? Uh, you know, because you know we can't even get married, or you know, they gassed all these people in Syria. Like, you know, so I guess that's kind of my point. Yeah, well, and and I think um, George Hansen would agree with you 
the the good old trickster theorist, uh, who I believe points out that in bad socioeconomic times, uh, paranormal activity seems to spike. Um, so it's weird. It's a weird thing because on the one hand, you would, you would you're kind of saying like, well, people who have it worse off are more likely to report this stuff or experience this stuff or be interested in it. Um, when you think that those types of people would actually uh, be busier <laughs> with other things, like trying to get their lives straightened out, but apparently not. Uh, so right. I, I don't know. Right. I just think you're, what you're calling attention to is like if you have routine, which is that middle class, you know, that's going to work, raising the kids, blah, blah, blah. If you have that, those blinders on and that normalcy, um, then this stuff doesn't come creeping in or you don't go seeking it. Um, and it's only when you're out of that sort of normal routine that you have an interest in it or it has an interest in you. Exactly. See, so we're not too far apart. No. And I think that's why you see the – that's why you see such a homogenous UFO field, you know. There's not really a lot of diverse voices or diverse people. Yeah, well, you're not allowed to be. I mean, you're not even allowed to be honest. <laughs> in the field. I mean, look what we did with hypnosis and look at what the pushback was on that and look how David Jacobs is still allowed to speak at MUFON conferences. Look at how Stephen Greer is still allowed to speak at conferences. Um, I mean, these are preposterous by any sense of the definition um, and yet this is what's going on uh, because there is still that overwhelming sense of the cottage industry no matter how much MUFON wants to say, well, we want to get back to science but then they chase that with, well, what we really want to concentrate on is becoming social media sensation and a global phenomenon. You know, it's like, well, which do you want, and which stories are is that you going true? To do they really want to become a global phenomenon? Yeah, yeah, that's what the new leader of MUFON said, whatever his name is. Um, that's ridiculous. Which I thought was already a global organization. I didn't realize they're just local. I thought. They were pretty much well, isn't the UFO line. phenomenon a global phenomenon, and you know, shouldn't move on like not glom on? Like, it just seems to me it's like, I don't know, it's like, well, Coca Cola is really popular, so we'll call ourselves the Mutual Coca Cola Network. You know, right, like, dude? You're not, you're not doing anything. You're just piggybacking on the UFO ness of it all. Yeah, yeah, and but. Uh, I don't know. I just think people are too entrenched in, in their ideas, sort of getting back to your point about uh, not enough, you know, too homogenous. It's like people are too entrenched in their ideas, and then, you know, ironically, the laughingstock fringe topic, the people involved in it, create a laughingstock out of you for um, pointing out the obvious, which is, you know, hey, it doesn't really work this way. There are no nuts and bolts involved that we can tell. Um, the hypnotically retrieved alien abduction testimony is a lie. So where does that leave us? Where does that leave us with the alien meme? Uh, pretty much in the dust. But nobody wants to say that, so instead, you know, kill the messenger. Instead of evolving like a real science should, kill the messenger and carry on the industry. So have you completely so way, given up I mean, on In a way, these new people are just reflecting that, right? I mean, in a way, they're just sort of taking their cue from that element of the old guard that says business as usual except that their business as usual doesn't involve research anymore. And why should it, now that I think about it, since there is no nuts and bolts thing that you can research? I mean, what are you going to do, dig up Roswell again? 
so why not take your cue from them and just try to get famous uh, by saying whatever seems to be popular at the time? I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they should do that. <laughs> yeah, you're very cynical. Forty, <laughs> Tim. I'm reflecting on my mortality as we speak. Will you stop? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, congratulations. You made it to forty. At any point when you were younger, did you ever like wonder if you'd make it to forty? Were you like, I'm never gonna make it to forty? Or were you like, well, you I know, didn't, I didn't sound like Grockle in my inner voice. Yeah, I presume. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't think I would make it past twenty-five. I don't know why, because I certainly didn't. I wasn't like on the lam or doing a lot of hard drugs or anything or any drug. <laughs> so you would think, like with my perfect clean record of virginity, <laughs> in all respects, uh, that wouldn't be an issue. But no, I, I never thought I'd make it past twenty-five for some reason. Oh, well, so you're you? like playing with house house money now. Yes. To be honest, every Three day times. I wake up, I'm I'm ahead of the game. <laughs> there you go, one day at a time. Exactly, exactly. Unlike you, I, I actively try to burn the candle at both ends. So, what can I do? Anyway, back to UFOs. I, I feel like I butchered this white people problem concept. You know, I hate to circle back to it, but do you kind of get what I'm saying? That there's this, you know, it's not so much that people, ex- it's not so much about the people experiencing it. It's just like people that can be swayed to to care about all this. And... You know, the only people we can really sway to care are, like, people that really have less concerns than most people or people that are, like, so far gone they, <laughs> they've given up on being concerned about things. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense because how how would it impact your life uh, if you just thought it was fiction and you didn't allow yourself time to, or, or care even, to, to allow yourself time to want to ponder whether it is or not? I mean, right? <laughs> Isn't that what makes it fringe? Is like, well, this is completely unbelievable. Aliens from another world are here right now. Bah ha ha ha! Laughing stock. Um, yeah, I mean, you, I guess you got to have time and the want to to look into it more than that, uh, which you're not likely to do if you're holding down a job and raising a family and all of that. I can see that, sure. Yeah, I mean, this is just from conversations I've had with people over the years, especially like lately, you know, well, when, they, the when they're not, it hasn't presented anything new and nobody's dug up anything new as researchers or even as experiencers. Nothing new has come to the table in years. And what we've promised ourselves through works of fiction, like the X-Files and, uh, you know, and the expectations of UFO researchers who have been on TV um, is that we would have something definitive by now and that the government knows some magical thing that if we just ask the right way, they'll tell us. <laughs> but I, I just want to, I want to throw this out there for those of you who still believe that, still believe that your government knows everything there is to know about these UFOs and they're just keeping it from us. Um, the, the way that that story goes is that they're keeping it from us because what would it do to religion? What would it do to society to, to know the truth that there are aliens here? And um, there was an article not too long ago in Science Magazine about how there's a group of uh, physicists who are, even as we speak, trying to prove if the universe is a hologram. Uh, there was a, a, a recent article from just a couple of days ago uh, that scientists are on the verge of discovering 
whether we're actually a computer simulation. The entire universe is a computer simulation. So you look at stuff like that and now weigh it. Okay, if they figured that out, clearly they're talking about that publicly. Um, so I think if they figured out that aliens were here, uh, it wouldn't. I don't think that would even be as big a, a deal as saying uh, we're actually a computer simulation people. So why is it that we just ignore the fact that we're willing to talk about these huge reality expanding ideas um, when it comes to science, but when it comes to ufology, it's like, no, 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 they'll never tell us. They'll never tell us that. Well, because they don't know. I'm confused, though. So have you completely ruled out aliens altogether, or are you still, you know, give me a percentage-wise. I don't think we've ever actually uh, talked about this. What's your, you know, what, what, I, what, what would you give it, you know, odds are that it possibly is the actual alien scenario, without all the trappings and garnish of, you know, that have been added on all this time. Just just that, you know, there's but aliens involved. But I think that is the alien here. scenario. See, I, I can't separate the two because I, I, when I say the alien scenario, that is what I think of. I mean, I don't think it works like that. I don't think it matters where this intelligence is from. So to me, it doesn't matter if they're from another planet, another universe, right here at home, whatever. I'm just saying that whatever this intelligence is, it has nothing to do with any of the nuts and bolts stories that we've been telling ourselves for the past few decades. It has nothing to do with that. And that those things are a work of fiction. Um, but to me, it doesn't matter what land they're from or if they're from oh, mine space like, or something. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. I guess I just mean like I'm asking for a percentage of like the – a percentage in your mind that the possibility that there are just physical aliens, you know, just like people – like we're people. Do you know what I mean? Coming here. And what I mean by take out all the garnish, I mean like forget about like that there's a conspiracy to keep it all secret or – you know, that the government's been working with them and all the extra stuff. Just is it possible you think that there's just another race of people coming here at all, or you think it's some kind of, like, product of the mind or what? Or like a superintelligence? I, I don't know what it is. But, see, again, this is the problem. Like, when you say, is it another race of people coming here, I don't know. Um, but what I can give you a percentage on is it's not a race of people coming here who are little space doctors creating hybrids or little space doctors right, okay. uh, suck, sucking on our fear, uh, all of that sort of stuff. Oh, you know, I thought they were going to say areas. sucking on our feet. I they were going to say sucking on our feet. No, they do suck like... on our feet. Yeah, that part happens. <laughs> See, who says no one brings anything new to the table? <laughs> Foot suckers, the next book by Jeremy Viney. But, no, I don't think – I mean, so, I don't know. In, in hypothetical, I mean, it's just as much on the table as anything else. But me personally, I don't think these are beings from another planet in this universe, um, or at least in this galaxy. If they're in this universe, then maybe they're right. coming here through some sort of interdimensional means. Uh, so it just looks like they're not from this universe, but, but they really are from, you know, like a wormhole somewhere else. I don't know. But that's all science stuff that I don't know anything about. Hello. Are you there, pal? There you go. Yeah. If you don't hear me talk for a while, that's because you cut out on me, and I'm waiting for you to... <laughs> Jim, you're live uh, on the air. What do you want me to do about it, dude? It's this terrible, uh, it's this terrible Skype. I'm blaming Skype because I've switched phones. So bear with me there, Pookie. Uh, I, could, I could call you on my cell phone, but the it'll probably just what? hang up on you. Why is that? Because I get horrible oh, reception. Oh, so bad? Uh, 
Yeah. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> this is terrible, dude. What's well, right. would it... You ask questions, I'll answer them, and and they'll hear them just fine. <laughs> this is your idea of a dream show, because. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> It is my birthday. <laughs> yeah, Vanny got his birthday wish. He just wants to fucking, oh, excuse me, be able to talk the whole time. Uh, well, what do you think about, uh, Hillbilly asked a good question here, so we'll we'll sort of dive to that. Uh, I talked to Artie Six Killer Clark. I believe you were familiar with that interview that I did, or we talked about it at least off the air. Uh, what do you think of the Native American interaction with ETs and UFOs? Well, this is one thing that uh, sort of makes me hesitant to want to get back into doing anything with this um, publicly because uh, the more I talked to I, – now, I didn't hear that interview, but, you know, I've spoken to Chokes and Ghost Horse, who's a Lakota uh, speaker and activist. Um, and, you know, he basically says, look, you call this UFOs, you call this paranormal, and we call it normal. This is what we just talk about around the kitchen table. This isn't – they have a completely different relationship to this stuff. And I look at that and I go, okay, well then what that tells me is that this mind that is applying itself to the problem, this westernized, um, separate self, brain-centered, not heart-centered person that I am, um, is mentally ill. It's not up to the challenge of asking the, the proper questions because I, I don't even have the right relationship with this stuff. Um and so I'll just I'll give you an example. Um, he was telling me that uh, there was a uh, recently on a reservation. You know they have this horrible problem of Lakota kids committing suicide. So you have these outside agencies that come in and they set up these sort of like camp programs with these kids and stuff. Um, and there's this one spot where this light descended. It was a globe of light. I believe it was blue when it descended, and then it turned red when it sort of got near the ground and then it disappeared, um, that none of the kids saw, none of the sort of counselors saw, but a lot of the elders saw, and a lot of the actual Native American people saw, um, the older ones. And uh, as a result, seemingly as a result, the counselors, who again didn't see this, decided to set up their camp right underneath where this ball of light was. And these whooping cranes, which are, there's something like 63 of them or maybe 163 of them, in the country. They're practically extinct. Ten of them, Teokitson saw, uh, circling above um, where this thing had, what we would say, landed. He wouldn't say that. Uh, so that tells him that this light, uh, which is probably a product of Mother Earth, is seeding, not it has seeded and gone away, like we would say, but is seeding, Mother Earth is seeding something thought, something. He doesn't know what. He doesn't know the answer to that. But this place just happens to be where the Lakota um, have always picked their chiefs from. And it's been defunct now for over 100 years. So the fact that you've got this, this new activity in this spot that was so sacred to them uh, means something, and they're not sure what, again. But we would look at that and we would go, oh, a UFO landed. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and And it's just a completely different relation and then we would make up stuff about that we would have fear about it and and all this stuff and so i just throw my hands up and i go okay not only do we not know what's going on but i don't think 
our thought process is able um, to, to perceive it, to really tune in and, and pick it up in a, in a way that's meaningful and isn't going to be just our own fiction. Well, this is something I thought of uh, the other day. It kind of connects to what you're saying, and that's uh, what if, like, what if whatever this thing is that's behind the UFOs, because you, you're saying it's not aliens or, uh, like, physical ETs, um, whatever it is, right, what if we just cannot physically possibly mentally ever understand it? Akin to how, you know, you may love your dog and everything, and you wish, like, you could be on the same level as your dog, but it's never going to happen because dogs can't be on the same level as humans and, like, talk to them and stuff. Maybe that's the situation with us and whatever this intelligence is. Yeah, well, that I mean, that's something that I've always sort of looked at. Um, but I guess I, I think about it in terms of, well, we still don't know what we are, so we can't know that. I mean, to me, this gets back to the same, the Teokasin problem, which is, you know, we uh, can the ask that problem. question. The old problem. We can ask that question just fine, rationally, but in truth, uh, we are ill-equipped um, to to know whether that question has an answer or not, because the thing that we think that we are, the sense of self that is wandering around and asking these questions, isn't real. And that, you know, I've certainly had a taste of that. You know, beyond that lies something more amazing, and that something more amazing you know, just sits in us as this human potential, and we uh, philosophize about it and yay or nay it, but nobody ever actually goes there and becomes, you know, transcends and comes out the butterfly from from the cocoon. Instead, we just build an HDTV in the cocoon, and we philosophize about what we could be. So I guess I'm just back to, once again, we're not, I don't, I think you're right, we're not as we are right now um, capable of understanding this phenomena as an equal, um, but that doesn't mean that we aren't secretly something else waiting to birth uh, that could um, if we would allow ourselves to do that instead of, you know, killing ourselves off. Yeah, I see your point. But then it's like, to return to my childish analogy again, it's like we still haven't found the talking dog. So, you know, it's not like dogs have been around, you know, it's not like... We've had dogs for thousands of years, and we, they haven't crossed the threshold to be equals with us. So maybe... <laughs> well, with us. But, I yeah, mean, yeah. you know, maybe but, I'm being too literal here, but um, I just... Right. Uh, I, I watched this documentary, you know, talking about how the, the human heart um, sends off a lot of sort of, what, magnetic frequencies, more than the brain, and in fact sends them outside the body, and that there's been research, and I think Dean Radin may have even done this research, that shows that if there's a person standing next to you, their brain will actually pick up what your heart is doing, and that's why sometimes you have, like, a feeling about somebody before you even meet them. It's like you're picking up what their heart is resonating, um, and it tells the emotional story of you. Okay, so now let's imagine that we are a culture... Um, that isn't in the brain the way that we are, but does come from the heart, uh, would you be able to relate to animals differently? Would you relate to everything differently? Because you're relating heart to heart, as it were. You are picking up their signal, and, and they're reading your signal in a way that is completely different than the way that we communicate currently. Um, so I think it is possible in some way to to have a dialogue of sorts with animals. You know, it ain't talking to the dog necessarily, but something along those lines, um, differently than what we've got now. 
Vanny talks to dolphins, folks. You heard it here first on the show. <laughs> Birthday heart to hearts with the dolphins. I don't know. I'm skeptical though. <laughs> I guess I feel like there could be like maybe a one on one communication in that way. I guess you're right. You know, people say they have a connection with their with their pets. So maybe. But still. It's not it's not sort of uh you know. It's, even if you even if you could empathize with the animals via this heart-to-heart sort of communication, you'd still eat cows, or at least I would, you know. Well, you would. So, what's that? You would, sure. Yeah. Well, as we've established in our previous conversations, uh, you know, I would eat a giraffe. I would like to eat a giraffe. <laughs> See, Hillbilly in the, the chat room here is saying, so if ETs are that far above us, why the animal mutilations? See, again, that's we don't so know many that the assumptions. Are... Yeah, I mean, we don't know the ETs are doing ETs. that. We didn't say they're ETs. We didn't say they're above us. Animal mutilations, who even knows if that's true? Who even knows if those are connected? I mean, this is all supposition that we just put into one sentence and say, what this if, reflects reality. They, you know, so. what if uh, what if they just never seen a cow before? If we're going to get to the basis <laughs> so, of it. Or what if it's just you know, a they're like, what is response? this thing that these people keep eating? We gotta, we gotta like get to the bottom of that. You know, if you discovered like a like an ancient world and they were eating some weird thing, you'd want to like figure it out too. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> I went with the lowest common denominator answer to that question. Thank but you. I in actuality, that. we don't have any idea if the ETs are doing it. You know, so I don't know. Have you looked at animal mutilations much? I've kind of touched on them, but. I mean, I don't know. There's something about about them that makes me kind of scoff and not really look at them too much. Yeah, I haven't looked at them in a in a long while. I mean, the last thing I saw was that there are, in fact, I think parasites that clear out the cavities in the same sort of surgical way that, that seem to be mystifying people. So to me, that sounds like a decent enough answer. Interesting. Where'd you hear this? Uh, around... I don't know. I read it in a science article. I don't remember where, but I mean, I'm sure you can yeah. Google it. Yeah, I want to Google that. That's interesting. Um, you know, well, the, cattle mutilations are like crop circles. They're sort of like, you know, I sort of lump them in with that hazy period of the 70s when the UFO people were like, let's try anything, man. So they were like, crop circles, cattle mutilations, abductions. We're going to, you know, we'll just keep throwing things against the wall, and one of them's going to stick, and we'll figure it out. But right. I don't know if necessarily any of them do. I don't know. Okay. Cattle mutilation. What are we going to do about this crazy field, man? You're turning 40. I'm going to be 35. Well, we, you, in your teasers here about coming on the show, I mean, you know, I think you mentioned something about talking about not broadcasting anymore, but uh, as a general sort of jumping off point, do you miss being a, <laughs> a voice amongst the culture of uh, of the paranormal, or are you quite happy uh, not having that soapbox? Um, eh, I don't know. I guess I miss it a little bit. Um, you know, and I'm and I'm still toying with the idea of doing some sort of internet TV show, but I just can't. Uh, I can't see it right now. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, part of me misses it a little bit, sure. Just doesn't miss it enough to do the work. 
And I certainly don't visit it enough to just, like, I don't want to just do a show, you know, and have on the same guests and all of that that I've always had on. Um, and so I can think of, like, four people, maybe, that I would want to interview. So maybe it would just be a mini-series. So I did something new. <laughs> but I don't miss it as much as you would think, you know? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, no, because I know about some of the trials and tribulations of, of this, and not even, you know, extreme ones. I'm just talking about people who are like, why isn't it up on iTunes yet? Like, <laughs> if you, once you get like three or four of those per episode, folks, you you kind of you kind of start to wonder why you're doing this. Yeah, well, I just realized, uh, you know, a lot of the time I feel like I'm saying one thing and people are hearing another thing, and that just gets annoying after a while. Where it's like, well, what's the point? And then, you know, some experiences are weird enough or deep enough or whatever that you go, okay, if I tell this out loud, it's just going to be something that they believe or don't believe. It's not going to be something that impacts anyone's lives. So is that just masturbatory? Um, so I don't know that I want to do that. Uh, I just don't know that I would be helpful. I guess, I, I, you know, if I were to continue doing this, it would be t- to interest me. <laughs> You know, and be helpful to me in, on, in the selfish mode, but also to be helpful to the listener. Uh, but I don't know that there's anyone out there that is saying anything that I haven't already heard or haven't already interviewed. Um, and I don't know that I have anything new to say. So, eh. All right. You're really, um, you know, they're crying right now, the fans. <laughs> well... That said, I may end up doing a show. <laughs> I know, no, I'm just, you know, just trying to make you feel guilty since, you know. Well, your mom didn't call today, so I got to I gotta step in where she did. <laughs> You're letting your fans down, Jeremy. Come on. <laughs> Bring back your para, your para show. Bring it yeah. back. Well, I got to give my a mom, shout out. God bless you. I was going to say, how do you know my mom sounds like she's from On Golden Pond? But go ahead. <laughs> the the on golden pond of Taunton. <laughs> just to just, this is uh, you know I hate to single people out but this is this is an example this is from Kirk Walker who posted on uh, on the Facebook page here regarding tonight's show he says you're combining BOA and the Good Parade. And it's just uh, this is like I don't know what three inches below the giant picture that says one night only the reunion that dozens demanded. So. It's the question. It's the little question. Is it really dozens? Is it that many? A dozen, but maybe a baker's Uh. dozen. (laughs) I feel bad for the people that were like, "Ugh, good parade." I'm not listening to that. Oh, I hate that. And it's like this has barely been a good parade. This is more of a paranormal parade. I like Uh, that Vamp Elvis says, "Make a Roku channel, JV." Yeah, because if I don't want to do a show, (laughs) why don't I make an entire channel? What are Right. That's oh, this the is why he's America's next top Sandy. <laughs> exactly. God bless him. This is going to turn into a bitch session, but th- that's the other part of it, where people like they come to you with great ideas, and it's like that's an awesome idea. I don't have any time in my life or the money to do it, you know. Where it's like, I think you need to set up an integrated mass media showcase utilizing YouTube and Google Plus and Facebook groups. So if you could just <laughs> do all that. That would be awesome, man. I yeah. would love that. And if you could just you do try that. to charge money for it. Yeah. 
Right, right. Oh, oh, and it all has to be, this is the kicker, it all has to be free. So, <laughs> that's or you're like, an asshole. They, yeah. It's like, wow, thank you. I, I, I love the idea. Unfortunately, I'm poor and busy and not stupid. So, but anyway, I digress. Vamp Elvis says, yeah, that was the joke. Okay, fine, I'm the asshole. I apologize. Exactly. I'm trying not to swear as much on the show because someone wrote to me and, and uh, I got a, a fresh email chastising me about swearing on the program. So, which is ridiculous because I, I drop an f bomb and then apologize afterwards and keep going. It's it's not seem to be helping much, but I'm doing my best. Well, I'll do all the swearing for you, Tim. Don't you worry. <clears throat> thank you. Thank you. Yes. So, is there any like more to say about UFOs or, I mean. We've kind of beaten it to death. There's new guards coming in, the old guards going out. It's Oh, you raised an interesting point, though, uh, that frightened me, which is that I, I've always been sort of a champion of uh, of sort of the idea that this the UFO reality is like a next-generation situation where the next generation is going to be more open to it and, you know, af- maybe after another cycle – so the generation after that, it'll just become more and more accepting. But as we've talked, I've kind of realized that the stagnation of the UFO phenomenon may actually be working against that hoped-for momentum, because maybe by the time, well, we're you know, you're 40, I'm 35, there's already a generation beneath us. Maybe that generation beneath us is like, that's old school, man, that, that stuff's a joke. So maybe it's like actually working against us now that the UFO phenomenon went underground, hasn't done anything awesome to get people excited, so therefore people just think that it was something that us old bastards like Vaney and me and the people even older than us uh, were dumb enough to look at. It's kind of frightening. Maybe, or maybe the phenomenon (laughs) itself is doing something differently than what we're studying um, and affecting us differently than how we expect it or want it to affect us. And so we're never going to get to it through the way that we study. And I don't know what that would be. I'm just throwing that out there. You know, we, we don't know what we don't know, as Don Rumsfeld would say. Um, so it may seem stupid and superfluous to to babble on about this stuff for decades, but uh, maybe there's an undercurrent uh, that we're missing that is important that we just can't understand. At least that's what I tell myself at night so I can uh, pretend I didn't waste 40 years. No, you've only been in this field for like a decade, so... Oh, right. If you think about that quarter of myself. your life, you know, you've only wasted a Still quarter Billy. of your life. That's that's really, you know, the other three quarters right. were, were, you know, were awesome. Yeah, they weren't bad. Hill, Hillbilly is asking, do I have an opinion about Art Bell's return? Um, yeah, cool. I'm glad he's returning. That'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, good for him. I'm excited about it. I don't know if I have the money to listen, though, but no. we'll see. You know, that's expensive. I can't really go out of my way to pick up a whole nother, uh, a whole nother service out of nowhere like that. You know, maybe if Vaney launched a Roku channel, I would do it. <laughs> well, that's next. If Art Bell's on board, I'll launch that channel. Put it that way. <laughs> the Vaney Bell Roku channel. Hillbilly has lots of interesting questions. He's uh he's quite the force in the chat room. Got to give him credit there. Let me give out the numbers in case people want to call in. 
You're listening to Banal of America Audio. So, Colin, if you want, Hillbilly was last uh, episode's first time ever caller, so that mantle of history has been taken. <laughs> now, you mentioned you... What? what you <laughs> mantle about? of history. Exactly. I don't even know if that's the correct uh, phrase, but whatever. Sure. I just like how just extravagant everything is with you. We... T- <laughs> See, you make it sound like I, I have full confidence in the extravagance, but truth be told, and Vanny can vouch for me on this, uh, you know, I talked to him off the air after I announced the, the Good Parade reunion, and having called it historic, I immediately second-guessed myself and was like, is it really historic? I mean, it's just two idiots on the phone. But Vanny convinced me that it was indeed historic, so. Yeah. <laughs> the, the end. <laughs> yeah. That's a very uh that's a very enthusiastic response. <laughs> that's Gorilla Monsoon, in case you weren't sure, Bane. Oh, nice. Wow, this really is nice. a, a special historic episode. Yeah, here, I'll try him again. Stop. Wow. Doesn't work. Yeah, that's not that it's not that good. Now now people who've been listening to BOA Live understand why we skewed uh sound effects. They're uh, not that good. Not that good. But back to back to reality, or back to the faux reality of all this. Um, you talked about in the book. You say you you sort of in, in, ingratiated all these creatures and whatnot. You know. Mm-hmm. So, what's your what's your take on all these creatures? I remember when I did a Paratopia show with you a while ago. Uh, we started talking about UFOs for like five minutes, and then got into Bigfoot for like forty five minutes. So, you know, I know you have some kind of interest in all this. What, what's your take on? Uh, Cryptids. Uh, well, I guess it depends on the cryptid, but I, I, I think um, all of the stuff that that seems to go together, you know, where they say Bigfoot and UFOs and little gray people and tall Nordics and reptilians and all that stuff, uh, I think they're all the same thing. Um, and I say this because they all have the, how do we overlook the fact that they all have the same characteristics? It's like it doesn't matter if it's, you know, what shape they come in, what what they look like. There's always something mysterious about the eyes. There's always some sort of telepathic type of communication. They all seem to come and go in the same ethereal way. They all seem to not tell you anything uh, that is useful in the real world. Um, I mean, to me, these are all the same thing in in different disguises, Uh so yeah. that's kind of what I think. But now that's different from, say, a jackalope, <laughs> if you're talking about a well, what? Yeah. That's a... <laughs> where, the, where are you pulling that out of your out of? I'm your, just saying, you know, that? there are some there, there are some cryptids, right, that are like just animals that are mythical or and or maybe exist. <laughs> I'm just well, trying not to confuse the two. You've confused me. Let's parse yeah, it down. I'm sorry. Then. What about Bigfoot? Let's just let's just let's just tackle Bigfoot. Forget about all those other cryptids. Uh, I don't know. I tend to think that Bigfoot, um, may, mainly because of the Skinwalker Ranch and because of uh, some of the Native American stuff, I think that Bigfoot is real and not just an animal. How about that? Is a part of this phenomenon in some weird way, maybe. Wait a minute. Oh, so you think big? 
I'm confused, though. You say Bigfoot's real. I think Bigfoot real, has not. mystical implications. I don't think Bigfoot's just some animal. Some animal hiding somewhere. I still maybe think it's, we're going to discover... I still think we're going to discover that there's animals that have super abilities we don't know about. Like the ability so like, to fly? How about the ability to make yourself invisible or something? Oh. I think an animal already has that, so... Bale just posted a massive Google link on the chat room, so uh, I don't know if anyone should even click that because it looks like it's it, it looks unsavory. You see <laughs> it, right, Vanny? Uh, yes. First time in 35 years, a new carnivorous mammal species is discovered in the Western Hemisphere. Yeah, he's talking uh, about that little that little animal thing they found that looks like my rabbit. Oh, interesting. Well, and they just found a walking shark in Indonesia. So, I heard that. about that. Well, somebody, let's break a little bit from the paranormal uh, in a sense, because this is sort of the Good Parade uh, BOA Live cross-promotion event, historic proportions, magical <laughs> night. <laughs> not to overplay you, it. Not to, yeah, not to not to overpay, overplay it. The Olinguito was the name of that creature, the Olinguito. I would, I would love to. How unfortunate. I want to go out on a limb and say that I want to be the first person to eat an Olinguito. I think it would be awesome. I want to go out on a limb and say it was uh, a character from Welcome Back, Cotter. Someone who used to sit in the back of the class. Are you talking about Epstein? <laughs> oh, that's right. Or Horshack. <laughs> the Horshack Olinguito. Or was, who's the third one? Freddie Washington? Jesus. It's quite the memory on you there. Vinny Barbarino rounds out the gang. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Well, I got off on a tangent there, but uh, uh, Sharknado. What did you think of all that? I don't get it. You know, I don't, I, don't, I don't approve of Sharknado. I didn't watch it, first of all. People have been bugging us to, to review Sharknado on the Good Parade reunion, but I, I would never watch that. But I'm sure you, you heard about all the hype and the hoopla and the, uh, you know. I've never heard of Sharknado. What is that? You've never heard of Sharknado? It was a big viral... It was like the new Snakes on a Plane. It was like a terrible movie they made for sci-fi that like everybody was like so enamored with the ridiculous title that they tweeted it and everything, and it became sort of a cult uh, hit. Because it's, the, the thing is, like, there's a hurricane. I forget how, how it, you know... Some ridiculous person in the chat room will give me a succinct uh, review of it in a moment. But I think it's like a hurricane hits L.A., and picks up a whole bunch of sharks, then goes towards land and turns into a tornado with sharks in it. This is a real movie. <laughs> you didn't hear about Sharknado? No. And you know, and Ian, I think I think Ian Zierling from 90210. You remember him? He had like the perm. <laughs> oh, he had the perm. <laughs> yeah. He was the dude with the blonde perm. He looked like, uh, I can't think of a wrestler I could compare him to, but... I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Somehow the shark eats him, and he gets out of it from the belly with a chainsaw or something. So, Hmm. this is a classic uh, Good Parade movie review, because I've probably ruined the story and butchered the the plot, but... No worse than the writers and director. No. Uh, no, but I wish I had. Now I'm, uh, now I'm intrigued now you're gonna go to out never watch it, it on purpose. Yeah, no, the opposite. I'm intrigued to never see it on purpose. Well, we, we talked about reviewing, uh, 
Thanks Killing 2. Have yeah, you ever looked at Thanks you... Killing 2? No, I never watched it. Because I want it free. I don't want to have to pay. Is it on Netflix yet? No. I'd like to see it. It looks terrible, though. Psycho Sid hair. Thank you. Vamp Elvis pointed out. Uh, Ian Zierling has Psycho Sid's hair. <laughs> I knew there was well a wrestler who, who would... Yes. Yes. That's uh, that's your top Sandy for you, folks. He can come in with a Psycho Sid <laughs> reference like that out of nowhere. <laughs> So you're you're unplugged from pop culture, so you don't follow. Uh, I guess you're not following really. Uh, there's no paranormal news in, in the world of pop culture. It's kind of sad. No, but we did uh, both have something to say about Miley Cyrus, if I remember correctly. I don't remember if I had anything to say about it. I thought it was great. I thought it was. You I thought did it was when, really you did funny. when you were drunk. <laughs> oh. Well, you know, no, I think I think I made this point to you, and I I steal it from cable news, which was that you know she's trying to prove that she's growing up and everything. So, you know, I have no problem with that. Did you know that the inventor of the foam figure was appalled by the performance? <laughs> no, I didn't know that a that person existed, and b that they would have an opinion about anything. That's fascinating. Yeah, he uh, he saw the performance and. He was disgusted by it, deeply upset. That's not why I invented a giant foam finger, folks. I just posted the link to uh, to the story in the chat room. That's how you post a link, Vale, right there. Not all this Google stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Well, what do you have to say about it? You know, I know you're from the Madonna, Michael Jackson. You know, you you probably you probably were in attendance at the first ever Video Music Awards. So, you know, what are your what are your thoughts? <laughs> Uh, well, thank you for, again, referencing my age. Uh, I thought uh, the performance was em- embarrassing and, and hysterical. Uh, but here's what bothered me about it. It was afterwards when her PR person said, well, Miley Cyrus actually did exactly what she set out to do because the, the Miley Cyrus brand, I guess, for this new album is, uh, her brand is that she doesn't care what you think. Yeah. Uh, and that reminded me, Nirvana had a song called Radio Friendly Unit Shifter, which... Jesus. Uh, yeah, which is, of course, uh, you know, an industry term about, you you know, the hit on the album that's going to sell the albums that you better produce. Um, and this is what art has become. She is Now it's okay for the PR person to tell the public, well, it was a good performance because it's what her brand is. In other words... She's acting. She doesn't really care about what she's doing on that stage except selling you the thing that a team of people came up with uh, that would be perfect for her to sell. And to me, you know, we always knew that that's sort of the direction that the music industry is going and art uh, and pop culture is going, but for it to be acceptable for the public to not cue in on that and go, wait a minute, we're not just consumers. Like, we should actually care more about uh, what's going into our ears and especially music, which is supposed to, like, affect your soul, or you're supposed to care about it on some level. But I don't know. Do we just not anymore? Is it all just about, like, well, that's your brand, and now I can go tweet about her response to everyone's <sighs> response to her? I mean, is that all that, that art is? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think it is all that it's become. But I also sense there's sort of a backlash in a way where people are like, People realize that everything, that the whole thing was just done to, to get the reaction that she got. Do you know what I mean? People are like, people are like, oh, well, 
She was the most talked about thing after the Video Music Awards, so it was a win for her. So, but now let's spend five minutes more talking about it. So it's kind of like it's a double-edged. <laughs> it's idiocracy, dude. It's idiocracy, really. It's it's right before our eyes. Yeah, I, right. I wonder if when you have people talking about you because of a really awful performance, um, does that create a bigger fan base, or does it just have people talking about you so that they know who you are? But I mean, I'm not going to go buy a Miley Cyrus album because, you know. I'm swayed by the masses talking about her. Like that's not going to happen. Like, does that work on? TV? No, but let's put it. Let's face it, though, dude. You're kind of out of her target demographic, and that's not a shot at your age. It's just like, you know, she. But it's that whole my thing last is pedophilia, Tim, and I thank you. for Exactly. That. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like the whole thing, I think, was geared toward like horny twenty-year-old dudes who were like, mm-hmm. "Oh, this is awesome. If she's going to keep doing stuff like that, I'll watch whenever she's on, man." But see, the thing I don't no. get about that is, in where I think that she has failed and they're just lying and covering up that, there's your cover-up, folks, is that she couldn't even stick her tongue out sexy. And I guess maybe she was imitating the drunk, beat-up bear on her T-shirt with that tongue thing. But, I mean, aren't you supposed to do something sexy when you're sauntering around twerking and, and sticking out your tongue like that? Like, Madonna, uh, you know, she got all dressed up and did like a virgin. And, oh, here we go and with the Madonna talk. <laughs> it was dirty and sexy. I'm not a Madonna fan, believe it or not. But I'm just I saying, she, if you compare, yeah, well, that's fair. If if you compare someone like Thank her you. or even Christina Aguilera or any oh, of these like people her. who do sexy, whorish things, uh, they succeed at that level whether you like it or not. Miley Cyrus didn't succeed at that level because it's as if, you know, somebody, she's doing an impression of what somebody told her uh, black women was sexy. <laughs> That's ah. kind of what it was, and then you cut to reality. Yeah, there's a lot of nah, girl, about that, ain't that. It. It's called ratchet culture, Vaney. I don't know if you're familiar with that at all. <laughs> Apparently not. I don't know. I just think it's it's more white people screwing things up. You think it's ufology? I I think the same thing about art. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Do you have any thoughts on the Michael Jackson trial? Is he back on trial? I thought uh, he was innocent. It's the trial over whether or not they accidentally killed him by overworking him. Oh, right. Um, I've only actually loosely been following it, uh, believe it or not. It's been going on for like three months. I don't blame you. Who, who has time for that? Yeah. No, I mean, I've just seen snippets here and there. Did, what, what's going on with that? Any Anything big? Any revelations? I think there's a whole bunch of revelations, but I'm not following it, so. <laughs> oh, excellent. I, his daughter's in all shape, I, really. Like, where I stopped listening was when, like, they had, like, emails from all the executives talking about how crazy Michael is and, you know, is he going to be good to go? Can we make some money off this guy or what? You know, and it's like I look at that and I go, well, that's what this is. Uh, right. So, you know, how are they going to win? In fact, I did see one analyst saying that. Like, this looked like from the outset an open and shut case uh, for, what is it, AEG? AIG? Yeah. Whatever it is. Um, but since seeing these, yeah, since seeing these emails, um, you know, maybe Jackson family actually has a case here. So we'll see. They probably do, but it, the whole thing was a mess all the way around. Let's face it. So. I think it's sad that that his, you know, his daughter was hospitalized for being suicidal. You know, around the time that she testified, and yeah, 
You know, all that stuff. Those really kids bothers. are going to have a lot of problems, though. Those kids are going to have lots of problems growing up. I think, aside from being super rich. Yeah. Eh, yeah. Too bad. What year? How old was Michael Jackson when he died? Uh, I don't remember. What was he like fifty-one, maybe? Oh Jesus, dude. You've only got like 11 years. This is what I'm talking about. Like Michael Jackson. Remember that famous moonwalk performance? He was probably like 20-something, right? I know. We blew it, dude. <laughs> yes, we've done nothing with our lives, but that's okay. Because, we, exactly. well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, people now, we, we talked about this. You know, you're not this, you're not this, uh, you know, you're not the soapbox anymore and everything else. But people do love to hear about your adventures. They live vicariously through you. As someone posted on my Facebook page uh, the other day, you're living the dream. You have moved to Hawaii. You've been there now for a year and a half. Um, and I, I think even off the air, I haven't really you know, pushed your buttons about Hawaii in a long time. Let me first, actually, i got to ask you this, because I'm supposed to be coming out there possibly in early 2014. But I heard the other day that this Fukushima nuclear waste will be reaching Hawaii by early 2014, around the same time I reach Hawaii. So, you know, should I stay home, or am I going to get blamed for this? Uh, you won't get blamed. My guess You'll is that the currents, the currents will keep it away from us. We'll be fine. <laughs> that is the most, like, ignorance is bliss answer I can imagine. <laughs> no, Water goes I mean, in all directions. It's, so it's there's no way it'll go in all directions. No, it'll be dissipated by the time it gets here, uh, and Oahu will suck it up. We'll be fine. Don't worry. Plenty of other islands for that waste to attack before it gets to the big island. All right, so you're not concerned at all about that stuff happening, getting to you or anything? Because you're, you know, you're right in the line of fire. You're sort of like the first layer of defense. No, you know what? I saw, I think it was on unknowncountry.com, uh, what we, I think it was there, where Whitley Strieber had an article about uh, how the global warming models originally didn't include the ocean. They overlooked how heat uh, bouncing off the ocean would react. Now, the ocean covers more of the Earth than the land, so you would think I the think global so. warming models would include, for instance, the ocean. But they don't. So I look at that and I go, well, maybe there's other things we're just not even thinking about in terms of this radiation getting here in 2014. Like, say, the currents, just breaking it up and moving it off in other directions. We'll be fine. All right. I like your confidence. Deep denial, answer. Tim. Deep denial. It's my. It's been my friend in the past. It's my friend now. Yeah. All I ask is that off the air, if you're really just trying to put a heavy, nice spin on this, just off the air, let me know. Be like, listen, don't come, actually. I'm getting out of here, dude. I got a fish with two heads. If you come, bring, bring another chicken. ticket. <laughs> yeah. Buy one ticket here and two tickets back because i got to get out of here. Oh, my God. So how is life on the island? There you go, Vale. Vale posted a – oh, yeah. Oh, actually, let me mention this. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of this? Vale posted this. Uh, this is ridiculous. The Japanese are going to build a – they're going to spend $300 million on an ice wall that will surround Fukushima and somehow keep out the – it's an underground ice wall. This is true. This is a real story. This is really going to happen. This is why I like the live show format because we can actually talk about talk about stuff that happened today. Uh, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna build a a giant underground ice wall to isolate the uh, Fukushima water 
and it's going to cost $300 million. And it's controversial, it's experimental, it's... I was under the impression they were going to try and do that at Oak Island, as odd as it is uh, to connect the two. But it seems just kind of ridiculous. Like, if this is as far as they've gotten, it doesn't look good. Like, for them to figure out how to stop this and and, and make it not uh, be polluting all the time. I like that they're just going to attempt this now. (laughs) Like, when did this thing actually happen? Like, a year ago? Uh, actually, like, about the same time you moved to Hawaii. <laughs> okay. Like, like January or February of last year. Right. And so they're just now realizing, oh, we've got a problem here. We, we should probably no. be doing this. <laughs> no, no. They've known all along, but they've been keeping it quiet because it's part part the culture and part, um, you know, they don't want to freak people out. And what I is, feel bad is about the- is the rest of Japan. I mean, are they just living in complete denial that they're on a hotbed of radiation right now. I mean, there's yeah. no way that that's not spreading throughout the island. Come on. I can speak with some uh, confidence, actually, because, as I mentioned him earlier, our mutual friend Nurikabe, you remember him, right? Yes. I can't hear you, so maybe you said yeah. I'm going to keep yes, going. Yes, and I, I hope he's okay. still out there. I, like, I love Nurikabe. Good man. I'm Nurikabe. sure he's listening right now. He went back to Japan this year um, in March or April, and... Uh, mm-hmm. He actually went to the Fukushima area, as close as you can get. And he was—he said it's like a ghost town. I'm pretty sure, yeah. And uh, he Did said he people there. Suit? No, no, no. He went like, you know, in the outskirts of the area. I should talk to him again because I'm not doing a very good job of recapping. But the other part that was the part that I know for sure is he says no one talks about it. No one talks about the the disaster, and uh, no one. You know, no one even acknowledges it. If you try to talk to them about it, they kind of just change the subject. Like, they don't want to talk about it. So, wow. Let's get back to panty-sniffing vendors. <laughs> Great idea, Japan. Well, yeah, so, I don't know. It's scary. And he said that this thing is so bad that it's like uh, China Syndrome. Like, it's melting into the earth. It's so bad that even he was in denial, that he didn't even bring a Geiger counter with him or wear protective gear. <laughs> He's just like, there, clearly there are outskirts of this thing which are safe for me to walk upon. Yeah. No, Nurikabe, no. Get off the island. Hello? He's uh, he's daring. I'll give him credit for that. I don't know. <laughs> that's That's something I would do in a, in a foolish fit. You know, over in Japan. All right, Vale, we got enough links there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> the chat room right now is awash in links to news stories that I could not possibly read because I'm in the midst of hosting a live radio program. But to be fair, one of them is from Vamp Elvis. So. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta, yeah. The scorn is is two parts Vale, one part Vamp Elvis. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's a, the world's a crazy place. Things happen all the time. You ever notice this things happen and then they don't even deal with it? Ah, uh, that's a good point. Vale says they're for other people. Okay, good point. But uh, you know, the Fukushima thing, then that then that crazy pipeline burst down there in in the Gulf. This 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 you know, the earth's turning into like a frat house. It's like things are breaking and you're just you just leave them broken and you don't we'll worry about that later, man. 
getting scared. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. The pool table's missing, like the eight ball and, you know, the 13 ball. And it's also kind of lopsided. But they're like, don't even worry about that, bro. <laughs> so that's what the earth is turning into, Vanny. I'm frightened. See, you're at least in this in this land of uh, of wonder. We got completely well, off yeah. track, but how how is the land of wonder? Well, and let's not forget that uh, I had a talking dolphin come to me in my dream and tell me exactly that all of this would happen. So, glad to be here. Uh, land of wonder is great. All I have to do is throw seeds on the ground, and they grow into things. So, I'm building a nice little garden out there. Oh, my God. I like what? that. Um, what is it? Choy? Oh, some choy leaves. I've got some turmeric. I've got some tomatoes and some nice. lima beans. Um, but, okay, here's here's an example of how I'm uh, stupid, and, and maybe because I'm getting old. Can't wait. Uh, so I don't have a car. I have a motorized bicycle, uh, which I got because I thought, well, better than a moped. I, I don't have to get a license because I let mine run out like an idiot ages ago. Um, and I'll pedal, so that'll be good exercise. So... Mm. I'm going up a mountain, <laughs> up Mamalahoa Highway, uh, and it stalls. And thankfully, it stalls next to a little parking lot. Uh, so I, I figure out that the problem is that the front brakes are rubbing against the wheel. So I fix it. And then I decide to take it for a little test drive around the parking lot, uh, which I'm glad I did or I'd be dead right now because uh, I found that not only had I fixed it, and I'm sitting there going, wow, this is, I'm flying. This is working really great. Uh, yeah, I had no brakes. So uh, I flew into a wall. I slid into a wall because uh, I had no brakes. And then I got up, and thankfully no one was around to see that. So I really did fix it this time <laughs> and, and got myself home. And like a cartoon, I, I, I got up the hill of my driveway, and a little <sighs> happened, and a little puff of smoke came out of the engine, and that, that was that for that night. So I go to bed. And around 4.30 in the morning, I, I wake up to go to the bathroom, and I'm lying in bed, and I'm looking at my wounds, uh, which, by the way, is fun. If you've ever if you've ever been wounded and you've got, like, oil and dirt and blood drip, you know, dripping down one half of your body, you know, as you're driving down the road and going, please, nobody look at me. It's, like, the most embarrassing thing ever. So I'm in bed, and I'm oh thinking about all of – yeah, I'm thinking about my pain. That says and more about you than anything. Yeah, only, well, only you would be like injured, and you'd be like, I hope no one sees me injured. They might clean me up and offer me help. It'd be so embarrassing. Well, that's true. So I get home, I'm lying in bed, 4.30 in the morning, and I think to myself, what, Tim? I think to myself, oh, that's right, you've got pedal brakes for the back tire. None of this had to happen. I just, I forgot that I had back brakes, Tim. That's sad. I crashed for no reason! That's weird. Yeah. Jesus, how'd you forget? Is this like, jeez, yeah, I'd be pissed at myself for a long time for that. I presume you are. <laughs> yes, I'm still pissed, but nothing broke on me or the bike, so that was good. That's good because you don't have health insurance, right? I don't have health insurance, and I can't afford a new bike. So, win-win. As far as crashes go, this was an A plus. <laughs> Except for the whole fact that it could have been avoided. <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> yes. Now, you said at vajay.com, which is your website, folks. Check that out. J-A-Y-A. How dare you? Yeah, I, messed it. I, always, I, always, I always go vaginal on that one. 
Um, it's jayvay.com, J-A-Y-V-A-Y.com. You, in the preview here for the appearance, you say you have an experience or two you've been keeping quiet about that you will reveal. So is one of them that, or are these, are these more mind-bending? No, eh, maybe that ship has sailed. I don't know. This just goes back to, again, why I'm hesitant to launch another Paratopia-type show. Um, but actually, people have been on our case, Jeff Ritzman and I, about doing um, the archive uh, drive for Paratopia, and we finally got around to taping the bonus episode on Sunday, so I'll edit that and we'll be done with it. And I did reveal this there, so maybe I'll reveal it here first before you hear it there. A lot of build-up, Tim. You like that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So basically, I don't know. I, I just I had this experience a few weeks ago um, where I was releasing the meditation energy uh, that normally moves me around and makes me do a bunch of crazy-looking dances and yoga and tai chi and all that. Sitting on my bed doing this and watching YouTube video, and if I watch TV while I'm doing this, um, it doesn't. It's irrelevant. Like whatever this energy is, doesn't care. Uh, it'll move my head around. It'll get up and walk me around. It doesn't care what's on TV, except for this day, where I was. It was intently staring me at what I was watching. Uh, and it was the Miley so Cyrus Video Music Award performance. <laughs> it was. It was not. But so intensely, like I was so listening to it and so concentrating on it so hard that. Uh, these are just going to be words, um, so I don't know that this will make any sense except that I can say them out loud, but it was as if, it wasn't even as if, it was that reality started coming out of me. So it wasn't, it was as if, like, whatever I was watching and the room around me was co literally coming out of me. Reality was pouring forth from me. So this was beyond, like, a feeling of oneness or a feeling of connection. This was, I am creating this in the room right now. Uh, so I have an experience like that, and I think, like, how do I, how am I going to be able to talk about that so that it translates in any useful way? And yeah. it just isn't, you know? Like, I can talk about how we need to listen, and no one's going to know what that means. But that's another level, like, we talk about listening, right? And, and we mean just listening to each other. And then you go a little deeper and you talk about listening, and it means... Um, trying to hear what the other person is saying without bouncing it off your inner critic so that you're making a judgment. Uh, and then there's a listening that is, you know, listening to silence. And, the, you know, there's all these sort of ways that we mean listening, and they go deeper yeah. and deeper. And the shallower you are, the less you understand, you know, that they're literally true. Uh, but then you get to something like this, and it's like, okay, this is completely different than what we have a definition for, for a human being. You know what I mean? Like, I think it, it was another, uh, I think it was an example, well, I think it was an example of, of maybe if I had embraced that, you know, big God experience I had a number of years ago, if I decided, yeah. okay, that's, who, that's where I'm going to go. I'm not going to go back to being me. Maybe that's what that looks like. You know, maybe you become a person who is unfolding reality before you <laughs> in some weird Jeez. way. Uh yeah, I mean, maybe who wants take that, that kind of responsibility? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm just saying, how do you like? Is it important for me to even say that, or does it just create a situation where you, as a listener, go, "Oh, that's nonsense," or you go, "Wow, that's really amazing," or you think you know what I'm talking about, 
but you can't possibly know what I'm talking about because you've never experienced it. Like, none of those are anything. They don't matter, you know? They're, they're not reactions that matter. Um, but I do want to say one thing that, that is sort of interesting to note maybe is that, like, something Jeff and I have talked about on the show is if you concentrate hard enough, if you have a serious discussion with somebody about these sort of paranormal or mystical topics, um, as we did that one time with Colin Andrews on the show, and things in the room, the air starts to change, and his computer banks went down, and we had a bunch of sort of peripheral experiences that were sort of paranormal in nature. And this happens to people, not just us, right? Yeah. And you're, you're really deep in a conversation. Well, I think that this experience of reality pouring forth from you is what's on the other side of that veil. I think that is getting to, but not quite making it to this moment, where you're so engrossed in it that, you know, that you're actually affecting reality. So it's not as though there are aliens listening to our conversation going, yep, I agree, and here I'm going to wink and nudge at you by by changing something in the room or shutting down your computers or whatever. It's it's actually that we're tuning in <laughs> to our own sense of self in a different way uh, that is affecting the room around us. I, I think that's sort of my insight takeaway that, that might be useful to people. All right. Interesting. Okay. Well, we've got are a caller here. Me? Are you are you all wowing me? I am in a bit. I am in a way. Yes. I don't have any response to that. I don't know what you know. Nothing like that ever happens to me. Uh-huh. You know, crazy wild stuff like that doesn't happen to me. So, you know, I just wish you had health insurance. That's all, pal. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. If I did, none of this mental illness would be happening. Exactly. Well, you rub between the lines on that. What do we have to talk about? Exactly. Uh, we got to. Well, we we could turn to this person because we got a call here from the five hundred nine area code, which uh, the Google machine tells me is the eastern two thirds of Washington state, and it includes Spokane, the Tri Cities, Yakima, Walla Walla, Washington, Tico, and Wenatchee. So you want to bring this person on the air and see who they are? Let's do it. All right. Five hundred nine. You're on the air. What's going on, pal? Hey, how's it going? I'm Aaron. 509. 509, are you there, buddy? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. What's you, going on? Can you hear me? We can no, hear I'm you. Here. Just, uh, just listening to the show. Do you have a question for the uh, for Jeremy, or are you just listening because you're outside? You know, I, didn't, I really didn't. I just had never called before. I wanted to wish Jeremy a happy birthday. Uh, I just turned 40 myself. In June, so I relate to being 40. <laughs> my brother feels my pain. Thank you. Yes, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um, anyway, no, I've just been a long-time uh, listener to both of you guys and uh, just wanted to call, and I was just kind of listening in to the show. So Awesome. All right. Yes. What yep. can we call yep. you other, other than Mr. Five? Uh, my name's Aaron. My name's Aaron. My name is Aaron. Aaron. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yep. I, I think with Blog Talk, you were just calling to listen in on your phone, right? And then it puts you in the queue I, for – is that what happened? I was. I didn't realize I would be put in the queue. Um, <laughs> well, you're in the queue. So I really don't I really don't have a question, but uh, – That's perfectly but, fine. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I, I'm surprised that I was the only caller <laughs> on here waiting, so um, – Well, we figured we'd throw you kind of caught me I'll give me – oh, well – don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Well, I'll let you get back to the okay. listing. How, how's the show so far? 
the show's great. I always enjoy listening to you guys. I really miss the good parade. I really miss the good parade. It was a. I, I listened to every episode. Um, I've been listening to. I think I've heard every podcast from Vaney that's ever come out. Um, I've heard almost all years, Tim, and I just always enjoy listening to it. They're great, great shows, great topics. Um, I kind of have a weird, uh, had a weird childhood myself, so I kind of resonate with things that Jeremy talks about all the time. And, um, yeah. All right. Fun to listen to. Well, cool. Yeah. 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 All right. Thank you, sir. Anyway, thanks. Yeah. Tim, make sure not to hang up on him, but just put him back on hold or else he won't be able to hear the show. Actually, I can go back and I can hang up and listen to the show on on my headphones. It's not a big deal. I just had never called before and wanted to check it out. So. Cool. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and thanks for listening to every episode of everything I've ever done. I haven't even done that. So. I, I really yeah, have. Man. You're awesome. You've got some great ideas, Jeremy. Some seriously great ideas. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Hey, wow. what am I? Chopped liver? No, <laughs> no. You too, Tim. You too. You too. You, I'm just you, make me, you make me laugh <laughs> in ways that I did not know that I could laugh. Funny stuff. Wow. Well, thanks that to both note, of you guys. Thanks for calling in. We'll let you get going. All right. Back All right. Have a good night, guys. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> wow, so wow, right. bring the show back, huh? <laughs> if we got more people calling and telling us how awesome we were every episode, maybe we wouldn't have shut down. I know. Could you imagine? <laughs> wow. Just because the good parade is sorely missed. Should we talk a little bit about that? I mean, we have some – we've got another 20 minutes or so. I mean, I, we were yeah, laughing sure. because you said, oh, you know, we didn't get a chance to say goodbye. We did kind of just fade away, so – uh, you know, and this is just the one night only reunion, but there's a good chance we'll probably pop up at some point in the holidays for a one night only Christmas special, right? Right. Never can say goodbye. No, 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 Tim. I'm le- I let you go on that. Oh, he's still going. Nice. Yeah, right. Well, if you want to be like Aaron and call in, the number is six four six three seven eight. 1868. So give us a call. Have a question if you can. Or just call in and tell us how great we are. We, that's always a good call to take, right? Yeah, for sure. Oh, by the way, Van Pelvis says Pitpunzel resolution. Pitpunzel, as far as I know, moved. Uh, I haven't seen Pitpunzel. I haven't smelled Pitpunzel. Uh, her hair has not wafted at me. I got nothing. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, we never really finished up that story. So. Last I last we heard, you uh, you know, she was really involved in some kind of weird possible cult, right? And then she moved away with the cult. Um, yeah, I don't know if she did or not. I mean, I, she was she was going to, and then I thought that she wasn't, and then she mysteriously fell off the map. Weird. So maybe she's dead. Good chance you she's never caught back to you. You never caught. You never contacted her on Facebook? Uh, I don't think she's on Facebook. I don't know what her <laughs> real name is. So that would be difficult. Like, I can't just look up Pitpunzel as much as I want to? <laughs> Little did we know, we actually caught her on her, her, real, uh, her real nickname. It's like, how'd you find me? <laughs> how did you find me? Jacob is going to be very upset when he knows that you found me, Jeremy. Can we talk hmm. about that for a moment? I mean, 
we this the good parade was spawned by our mutual fandom of Lost. And I mean, just how badly did that whole thing go now in retrospect three years later? It's like no one even talks about Lost anymore except to reflect on how terrible the ending was. Um yeah, although see I'm not I'm still not convinced that the ending was terrible. I need to go back and watch all of them again, but I don't want to in case it is. See my my problem? That's the point. Everybody was like, oh, I'm going to watch it all over again. They're going to have all these spin-off properties, you know. Yeah, I really don't understand why they did that. They were supposed to have, yeah, spin-off movies and comics and books and DVD sets and all this stuff. And um, why would they doom themselves that way unless J.J. Abrams or somebody was like, you know, I really don't want anything else to do with this anymore. I, I just need to move on. I mean, maybe that was it. Maybe he was like, you know, I need to branch out and start doing movies and get away from this TV crap. And that was the only way out. Cause but he was it barely in, that, yeah. But it was his he baby. He was barely involved you know, in, so, in the show toward the end. I don't know. I just don't from, understand how it would make sense as an executive uh, of ABC or whatever um, that you wouldn't want to make as much money as possible off that show, much like we were talking about with Miley Cyrus. Uh, so why would they? why would they just say, eh, let's just end it, unless somebody was really like, we've got to end this now. I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah, that's possible. It's the kind of show that's crying out for a reboot, and and could actually be well done. <laughs> well, I don't know about, about that. A reboot? Yeah, How would they do bring that? Back unless you go with like cast. early into space. Yeah, that's what I mean. You bring back some of the cast that can that that have can't obviously can't seem to find work elsewhere, like Hurley, and you bring them back as you know, call lost again. And they are lost hmm. again, you know. And, <laughs> I see. Clever. And you wrap up some of the mysteries. You introduce new ones. See, the problem is the best. You know, most of the best people, like that guy who played uh, Ben, he's gone on to pretty big success on CBS. So he, he's not going to come back to a Lost reboot. Right. Well, Jason Birdie is saying Fringe ended, shows end, much like the Good Parade. You bastards. Uh, yeah, shows end, but Lost was something that had the potential to really be something else. I mean, even the X-Files right. a couple of movies, and there's probably going to be another one at some point. Um, why would they just shit-can that? A fringe, I could see why, because it wasn't that good of a show. <laughs> Sorry, suckers, but it's just not. Wow. Vaney with the I hardcore disc. Nice job, buddy. I said it. Well, the thing, too, is, like you're saying, the uh, Lost could have sort of become like a self-perpetuating universe like Star Wars did. But yeah, now it's just exactly. Gone. Now it's just, you know, no one really wants to pick it up anymore. And what Baruti says here, says, as you say, Fringe ended, shows end, much like the Good Parade, you bastards. Isn't what's happening live right this very moment uh, counterintuitive to what he's saying? No. Well, it is a Good Parade. Re- it's a Good Parade <laughs> reunion. Oh, that's true. So, yeah. Yeah. He's like, he's like, what the hell, guys? Why'd you shut down the show? Can't you just come together and do, like, one show, like a reunion show sometime? Can't you just get together and do, like, one last good parade? It would be awesome. Like, you could do it on Blog Talk, and it could be live, and I could be in the chat room talking to you. Well, it's, it's happening now. <laughs> this better be free. This better be free. I hope it's free. 
If I get emailed an invoice after this, there's going to be trouble. So you like in the island? Your mom's coming to stay for a month. I heard. That's why you well, pushed my visit to uh, to when the radioactive material arrives. That's right. Although I might switch that around if she doesn't call me for my birthday. Nice. I mean, well, what I can't time come back. is it there? What, what time is there right 10, now? It's ten forty-four. So what are the odds that my mother and my sister? We're both on vacation uh, somewhere like Virginia Beach. Haven't just forgotten that it's my birthday, even though they called me like two days ago. And no, it doesn't count if you called me two days ago. No, you have to call on the birthday. That's right. That's like I'm 40. That's a big one. That's a big fucking birthday. It's one of the biggest. It's definitely Where one of the they? biggest. How even Jeff called me, and, and Jeff Ritzman, by the way, and everyone heard, has heard Jeff's voice, right? You know how Jeff yeah. sounds. Kind of baritone and angry a lot of the time. Well, he I was going to say he sounds kind of like just he sounds kind of like just sick of it all. Yeah, and I made like him sing "Happy Birthday" to me. He sang "Happy I, Birthday" to you. Yes, I forced the man to sing "Happy Birthday" to me, or I would oh. not hold a conversation with him. That takes, that takes and all he did. the fun out of it. Well, he did because he's a good friend, Tim, and I'll expect that call <laughs> right after this show. <laughs> Is being for is is a <laughs> I don't even know what that would be called. Is a forced happy birthday song still still worth all of that? Is it still considered happy birthday? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Fair short answer. Yeah. Well, I don't. I wouldn't wish this on anyone, but I do kind of wish it on you, just because it would be the ultimate sort of karmic justice. But I kind of. What time is it where you are? Four forty-four. Make a wish. Oh, nice. So it's really early still in the day. I have. I. I kind of hope that you like. You, you say you're going to a party after this or something. I hope you go to the party, and like everyone's having fun and everything. Then they. I don't know. They somehow get you to be distracted, and then you turn around. There's your mom and your sister. And they're there. Oh, that would be nice. And then I'd have to house them. Wait a minute. That's what I mean. Then they're staying for a month. But if that doesn't happen, then whoever shows up at the party, you're my new family now. I just want you to know. No pressure or anything. You cut out on me here. I'm not getting the second half of this if that doesn't happen. Oh, never mind. I'm just saying they're my new family now, whoever comes to the party. I'm I'm giving up on those who have birthed me into the world. Does that include the people in the chat room? They're kind of like your virtual family. No, you none know. of those people. No offense. They can't. Wow. No, that. What do you guest mean? Guest one one two nine six. Guest one one three three zero. Guest one. No, none of you are my family. <laughs> Only the people who have real names. So, Cat Girl, Flap Doodle, Hillbilly, Baruti, Kimberly Wreck, Paratopia. That's you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So you you got the new book out into the end. Uh. People can get it at Amazon, all those good places. They can find out more from you at jvay.com. Um, mm. And you're, you're talking about this uh, potential new video show, right? Called, uh, what, Talk Stories? Uh, if I do it, it would be called Paratopia Talk Story. Yeah. And the idea would be um, through the miracle of Google Hangouts, it would be me and nine other people. So I would have some co-hosts. And they could be listeners, they could be whoever, whoever. It'd be sort of a democratized show, and so it would be fresh every week with new with new people. 
Um, and I'd have a guest, and, and that guest would, we would focus in on one specific subject and really try to nail it instead of, like, weaving all around their book or whatever it is they're promoting. Just one subject and go, and let's try to really focus in on this. Um, and then the guests can stay on or leave if they want after however long, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and then we discuss what we just heard. That 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 is where the idea of the show could be something a little bit different than what's out there. Uh, and it's video, but, uh, right? It's vi- it's, it's and it's video, video yeah. Uh, so, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll do it. Maybe I won't. I, I will definitely do it for um, when we do Project Core, which is me, Jeff Ritzman, Tyler Coke, John, our little study of the paranormal, which we are almost complete with, you know, maybe by November or December it'll be out. Uh, then we'll definitely tape something um, TV show-ish for that. All right. Yeah. Do you have all the equipment to do this uh, video chattery? Yeah, that's the thing. Technology has finally caught up. I mean, it's kind of what I want to do it before people sort of discover it and, and, and rape it. <laughs> With you know, which Steve Bassett is already doing. He's like got these little polls out on his newsletter. Should I do a show that you would? Would you pay for me to do a talk show on Google Hangouts? Like, no, dummy. No one wants to pay to see you do anything. You're a fucking liar. The sad <laughs> part is that a lot of people would pay for it. So yes, they're paying for it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Vaney, you're very critical of people tonight on the show. It's uh, I'm 40. I'm old. Oh, 40. What's left? I guess 50. That's going to be awesome when you when you turn 50. What now? How about this? What were you doing uh, when you turned 30? Where were you? What was the what was the uh, you know what was the state of Vaney 10 years ago today? I don't remember. All I remember was being told by a coworker. Um, not to worry about it. Well, no, to worry about it, because once you turn 30, like, your body breaks down and all of that. But that had already happened to me at 28. So I was I was prepared for 30. And actually, I think I was still working... That's so true. Yeah. I, That's I, so was true. I working at MTV or was I working at the Shady... Uh, before MTV, I, I worked at this uh, this investment firm uh, oh, where the, C, the CEO eventually got uh, hauled out in cuffs after I left. It's like boiler room. Yeah, like and that was room, where the yeah. guy was giving me. That's where the guy was telling me about how it's over after thirty. Now, what's funny is this: the, the man who did that uh, went to jail because he was trying to bribe the CEO. Uh, well, it's a long, convoluted story, anyway. Yeah, not yeah. a good guy. He's not now serving play. thirty. That's right. Thank you, thank you. I, I, I neglected to put a little rim shot in, but I, that that line needed it. All right. Well, that's the I've advised people that in a way, but I agree with you. My body started kind of breaking down before I turned 30. But I've told people in their 20s, and I think this is kind of true, or at least this is how I feel now that I'm in my 30s, and that's that no one takes anybody in their 20s seriously anyway. Even if you're yeah. like 29. It's like, get back to me in a year, then you'll understand. <laughs> it's really weird. But, like, anyone who's, like, 25, 26, 27, God forbid they're younger than that, they don't know anything. So, But, you know, you what's know. funny is it doesn't matter how, however old you get, there's always older people, and they always look at you and go, eh, hey, you're still a kid. Yeah. It's like, lady, I'm, I'm 40, and, and you're a, a million. 
of course I'm still a kid to you, but when does it ever not? So apparently you never grow up. There's always going to be somebody older than you. Yeah. Uh, you're just always a kid. <laughs> and I guess you learn that the older you get. I don't know, though. I think maybe by the time you're like 80, it's level playing field pretty much. Do you think really someone who's 90 is like, wait till you get to 90? You don't know, you don't know what's going on yet. No, at I 90 guess maybe they're like, can I have pie? And they don't know where they are. There's some people that are with it that are old. How about that? Did you now? You don't see if you didn't know what Sharknado was. You probably don't know anything about that lady that swam from Cuba to Florida yesterday. No. No. Some like sixty-four-year-old lady. She's been trying to swim to from Cuba to Florida for uh, like thirty years. It was her fourth try, and she did it, and it was like brutal. Did she get to she, uh No, 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 no. She's American. It was part of like a, it's been this long-standing like stunt she's wanted to do. Huh. Yeah, spent fifty-two hours in the water swimming. It was pretty amazing. Hmm. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, now that that's done, get... what does she do? Does she just go? All right, that happened. Nah, Next. she'll probably like, write a book. Do? Hmm. Yeah. And then, and then you just constantly a... talk about that for the rest of your life. You're like. Yep, that's me. Remember the time I swam all that distance? That was me. Just forever? I guess. Hmm. I don't know. I guess this is what happens when you don't know what it's like to achieve your goals in life. I can never tell you what comes next. Yeah, I mean, she seems happy. She accomplished her lifelong goal, so that is the weird part. It's like that guy from, you, you know, I know you poo-poo the, sh- the movie, but it's like the guy from Man on Wire. It's like, how do you, how do you, he can never top the top, so you're left sort of just reliving the fact that you did it once. So. Right. Still haven't seen that now movie. We, I know, it's excellent, but you refuse to see it. But I'm the same way about some things. So we don't need to get all, we don't need to bring all that vitriol back up in the last five minutes. Um well, we're in the final five minutes. We plugged uh, the website, uh, jvay.com. Uh, we talked about what's coming next for you, right? Is there anything else coming next for you that we should uh, find out about? Um, not that I'm aware of. Uh, I am working on yet another book. I'll start working on it for real in, a, in about a month. Um, and I'll just let people guess what that one is. Two words. Emma Woods. Dun dun oh. dun. Nice. So there you go. Like there's you your big that. there's your big revelation, Tim. Yes, Emma Woods wow. and I are working are working on a book together. And I think we can all agree what that's gonna be. <laughs> I can see the examiner dot com article now. Baney <laughs> working on Emma Woods book. And you just click it and it was like on the recent edition of Banal of America Live, Jeremy Baney said he's working on Emma Woods book. Right. That's half it. the words are missing. That's the whole article. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so an Emma Woods book. Interesting. All right. Okay, sounds good. I've been telling you to write that vale book for says, ages. Vale says, can she do the audio book? <laughs> I, I, there's something about that that's funny. I don't know, just knowing her voice, where you'd be like, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. then I, uh, yeah. I don't think you want that the sounds like a mean. That. that sounds like a mean suggestion. <laughs> I'm being mean. Five I'm writing minutes left. We never got a call from Rockle, which is disappointing. So apparently he has forsaken us for all these years. Is he even in the room? I know. It's like he's my mom or my sister or something. Is, well, is he in the, the chat room or no? 
No, no, no. In 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 the chat room, on the phone line, in contact yeah. form. I mean, he's just disappeared. I think he's joined the Australian Army. I think he can join at any age. So hmm. even if even if you're forty, Vaney, get down here. We need you to serve in the Queen's Army down under. What are your thoughts? Speaking of internationalness, quickly because we don't have much time left. Uh, what are your thoughts on this whole Syria thing? You think they're going to go to war? Do you want them to go to war? Do you, uh, you know, are you afraid of war? It's just more monkeys throwing poop. Uh, anything that John McCain's for can't be that good, but I really don't know anything about it. Uh, what about you? Uh, I have mixed feelings. I mean, it's terrible that this guy. I don't know how much you know about it, so but it's terrible that this guy is uh, apparently allegedly gassing his own people. That's pretty messed up. Um, but I just think that, like, I don't know, sort of an orchestrated attack to knock out his chemical facilities sounds to me like it's just going to cause more harm than good, you know? Mm. So to me, it's like, I feel like they should just... I, I, I feel callous saying, settle your problems on your own. But at the same time, I'm not really sure, you know, what the best course of action is for the United States. You know, unless they don't have these crazy – can't they just do some crazy sanctions where they just cut off Syria from the rest of the world and they don't get any money or anything? I mean, have they tried that? Can't they just realize know. that this is why Mother Earth is going to flick us off like the flea and uh, just stop doing war and shit? Like, why can't we do that? Because the planet's been reduced, reduced to a uh, frat house. We talked about this. Right. Hmm. So. And it's time for Mother to come and clean up after our mess. I suppose. <laughs> or barring that, not, you didn't spend much time with frats, I take it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Mom, you're not allowed in the frat house. <laughs> Well, we're down so to the final second. Anything seconds. with you? I'm going to do that now. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Jeez. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> there she is. Can you hear her, or is it just me? No. Who? Oh. I just I can hear the, the uh, English lady. Anyway. Yeah, let me get the plugs out. First of all, obviously, thank you for coming on the show here, Vaney, and taking part in the uh, BOA Live unfolding experiment that it is and joining forces once again for the Good Parade Reunion. I, I really do appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I wish we did more Good parade stuff, but our phone lines are not permitting, so it was more interviewee. And I'm sorry that you had to do that, Tim. Don't worry about it. I think people really enjoyed it. Folks, you can find out more at banalofamerica.com. That's how you uh, get info on this whole program. B-I-N-N-A-L-L of America.com. Check out Banal of America on Facebook. Just punch in the name there. You'll find it. If you can, help us out. Make a donation via PayPal or the P.O. Box. Help keep us on the air. And we will be back next week, same time, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. The date is September 10th. And I'm happy to announce we have a massive guest for that program. We're going to be bringing back into the BOA fold the incomparable William Zabel. And he's got a lot to say about Aurora, Sandy Hook, and a whole bunch of other conspiracies. And it's going to be an absolute barn burner. And with all that said, folks, thank you very much for listening. Have a great night, and you'll be hearing from me on the next edition of BOA Live.
See you at Christmas.